Hi, folks. Welcome to What in the History, episode number 14. Uh, big, big shit today. Uh, my name is Dan Brady. I'm your co-host, Johnny Smith. And today we are going to be discussing the Japanese invasion of Alaska. That's right. During World War II, nobody fucking knows uh, that Japan actually invaded us and successfully. Uh, we're going to discuss this today. By the way, Johnny, how are you doing? I am doing phenomenal, Dan. I'm so happy we just came from a show where Dan hosted. Uh, he put it down, and we are recording uh, rarely in person today. And boy, oh boy, when we started this podcast, and I see this man come alive, and I love it. Uh, well, you know, and it's uh, for those of you who don't know, I live in Erie, PA, and Johnny lives in Beaver Falls, and that's about a two-hour drive. And uh, just like he said, we had a show tonight which outside it was like 38 degrees yeah. it was very cold but a lot of good people the crowd <laughs> was great it's just one of those things that make you love doing stand-up you know warriors warriors <laughs> johnny definitely was tonight the crowd did not want any of him but he forced himself down their throat yeah fuck it you're gonna take these jokes <laughs> oh man i hope uh Everybody who's listening to this, I hope your day is going well. I hope uh, hope your mental health is well. That is very important. I uh, don't know why I mentioned that, but I just thought I did. It's very important. I, I stand by it. And you know, you're having a rough day. It could be as simple as just reaching out to a friend. It's that simple. Or listening to our fucking podcast. Boom, bop. Uh, we are also now on Snapchat, uh, W-I-T-H uh, podcast. It'd be lovely to see uh, every uh, different stuff other than just an S uh, squiggled on a photograph. <laughs> streaks. Streaks. Uh, by the way, I'm a bit of an idiot because I just realized our acronym is WITH. Yes. You didn't know that? Um, I never thought about it. And like, I don't know. That doesn't sound like the sword I was hoping it would sound like one day. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, it took you this long. I'm with with. <laughs> it sounds like Michael uh, Mike Tyson is hosting the local radio station. Wish <laughs> with 99.7. <laughs> it's gonna be a tremendous episode, y'all. It's gonna be ferocious, scrumptious, delicious. Oh man, that's <laughs> terrible. Now we pissed off Mike Tyson. Mike, I love you, baby. <laughs> I mean, that'd be cool. If we pissed off Mike Tyson because he listened to a podcast, but that probably doesn't happen. I don't, you he know Mike Tyson reached the fuck out to Mike. He doesn't seem like the podcast kind he of guy. He hosts the podcast. Oh, does he? Yeah, Hot oh, Boxing wow. with Mike Tyson. You should check it out. It's really dope. I mean, All right. pay us now, Mike, motherfucker. Now you owe me money. <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about today, uh, the like I said, the Japanese invasion of Alaska, uh, the Battle of Attu. The invasion of the Aleutian Islands. Uh, Johnny, I'm going to assume that you don't know shit about this. You're going to assume fucking A. Tweedle, buddy. I have never heard of this shit before. Fucking A. Tweedle? What is that? That's a family saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> family. Uh, I really hope you could have heard the quotation marks in that tone. Um, so, yeah. In 1943, uh, Japan realized that the Aleutian Islands held a strategic importance, uh, so they went after them. Real quick, Dan, uh, for those of us who don't know, where exactly are the Aleutian Islands? It's 
off the coast of Alaska in the Bering Sea. Okay. So, like, uh, I mean, it'd be a very good uh, point, like, if you're going to attack Eastern uh, Europe and Eastern Asia, uh, Eastern Asia more than likely. Yeah, that's bam, bam. To okay. Touch, to touch on her joke, like, close to Sarah Palin's house? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, you could probably see her riding a bull moose naked from the islands. There we go. I'd pay for that. Where's the OnlyFans? <laughs> okay. Um, so I hope uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the previous episode. Again, uh, please email us, uh, message us, DM us. Uh, we want to hear from you. We want your feedback. We want to know what uh, you want us to uh to cover if there's anything you're like you know there's this really small thing that i've never given any thought to but i want to know more about let us know because we love obscure history i hope they enjoyed last episode dan because i know we sure as the fuck did oh yeah especially the uh shop talk episodes if you don't listen to those uh they're basically a condensed version of our show plus we always have a <coughs> guest uh we had chris Scriva. Aaron Douglas and our very good friend Andreas O'Rourke on last week. It was a very great show. His daughter joined us with Incoherent Screaming. His cat brought us a quest. Yes, that's true. I forgot about the white cat. Meow. <laughs> it just came over, start, started trying to take over. It was glowing. I, I never saw a white cat just glow like that. It was crazy. And then the cat knocked Andreas over like cats do. Plus, he's always been Andreas's weakness, though. <laughs> God damn, get out. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, anywho, uh, so basically, World War II, uh, by 1942, uh, war has broken out. Uh, Japan's on the war path. Uh, not only did they bomb Pearl Harbor, but, you know, they destroyed a lot of our ships. Like in, you know, open ocean, they took Wake Island, the Philippines, they were on a tear. Um, they had been undefeated since like 1910 or something like that until we showed up on uh, uh, Guadalcanal. And Dan, I have a question about World War II that I'm not clear on. Why did the Japanese decide to, uh, you know, work or, or join the side of the Nazis? What, what was because of communism? world domination they just joined forces because of that because yeah. they seem like a, a strange bedfellows i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure on this but i think it it's just domination taking over the united states because we're their biggest threats and it baffled me that uh the germany when their whole thing was the superior race and aryans would would join forces with and this is them not me inferior people and to the Japanese, the Germans were inferior. Yeah, it's just, that's just wild, ain't it? How like that I, I guarantee once, if they won, uh, fucking Germany probably would have took over Italy and then would have went after the Japanese and vice versa. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Because at the time, Japan uh, controlled most of Asia, you know? I don't want to get too off topic, but it's crazy because we've been at an active conflict over 20 years of my life, essentially. And it doesn't feel crazy, but it seems like World War II, so much was at stake. Yeah. Oh, 100%. The entire world was on the line. That's how, from what I've read, that's how it felt. That's uh, 
I mean, that that could be one of the key reasons why you see so much bravery and heroism. It had and, to be such an intense fear just day-to-day life. Yeah, I think, um, well, we talked about Audie Murphy last night where he's just like, I, I knew I was going to die, so I put that on my head. That's something you read a lot. Like, after the third or fourth German artillery shelling, uh, you just are basically like, fuck, this is it. I'm going to die. Uh, this is where I'm going to go out, you know? A lot of them live like that. Like, uh, I mean, you need to watch Band of Brothers and stuff like that because they do these interviews beforehand, like the Pacific of everybody. And a lot of them were like, man, I'm going to die here. So why not go out fighting? I'll have to check that out. I'll have to add some of those to the list. Yeah. Um, So originally the uh, known as Seward's Folly, the United States government mm. had purchased Alaska from Tsar Alexander II Russian Empire on March 30th, 1867 for $7.2 million. I actually know about Seward's Folly. Um, they thought it was a waste of money because oh, it was yeah. invaluable land. Little did they know it was rife with oil. Right. Morons. And little did they know a lot of hunting shows would be going there in the future. Yeah, man. A lot of white guys with guns up there. Just a heads up to everybody. If you didn't already know, uh, yeah, white guys with guns in Alaska. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> I'm here to help the people. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> no, they thought it was like Atlanta up there. Wow. Okay. Back to the Japanese. <laughs> oh, did I get the podcast canceled? Almost. I think I saved us. We, can't, we just got to keep on keep it pushing. <laughs> we, we just got to keep going. Uh, by 1912, the U.S. federal government officially upgraded the District of Alaska to an incorporated U.S. territory, legally establishing Alaska and its outlying re, uh, islands as an inseparable part of the United States homeland. The Snyder Act of 1924 confirmed U.S. citizenship to all uh, Native Americans, including Alaska's uh, indigenous Alouettes. Okay, that's what's up. That's pretty cool. That seems pretty early, too, 24. Yeah. Um, North of uh, the Aleutian Islands are a long, rugged volcanic uh, arch. Archie Archipelago or whatever yeah, the fuck that yep. word is. There's no help in either one of us for that shit. Uh, sweep 1,200 miles west from the Alaskan Peninsula towards Siberia. Okay. Oh, only 1,200 miles yeah. west. That's okay. That's relatively close. Right. Um, from here to Texas is just a thousand miles was, or so. Is discovered in 1741 by Vitus Bering. Which I'm going to guess the Bering Sea came from his name. I'm going to guarantee you there was people there before him. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> motherfucker just looks at the ocean and goes, yep, that's mine. That's my shit now. Mm-hmm. What have you called it for hundreds of years? <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the wretched climate uh, brandishes incessant fog, freezing rains, blizzards, and violent uh uh, wind gust, a unique regional regional windstorm that reaches 140 miles per hour. Jesus Christ! And the volcanoes are active. Uh, uh, dormant. Dormant. It still seems like a hellish place to be. Uh, so the island's uh, barren surface 
It's covered by uh, tundra crusted uh, moose keg, a sodden gluttonous uh, three foot deep volcanic ash quagmire rendering uh, transportation, construction, and logistics nightmarishly difficult. That's probably putting it fucking mildly. The oppressive Aleutian conditions easily smothered combat, movement, and human life in general. <laughs> it's an oppressive ass place to be. So we're setting the tone for a very easy battle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you knock over the igloo, you win the fort, buddy. Oh, we're going to Alaska? Where? Oh, the shitty part. Son yeah. of a bitch. It's like going to Pittsburgh. Why, what can't part we ever, part? why can't we ever fight war in like Hawaii or something? You know? I mean, I get that thought, but it's like, do you want to destroy Hawaii? Because eh. we usually destroy places we go. You know, we got a pretty good track record of that shit. <laughs> uh, I prefer to keep it off the fucking states altogether. <laughs> North Dakota versus South Dakota. Go. Yeah. You know what? You can take Montana and Wyoming. <laughs> Those can be free battle states and we'll invade Canada. Fuck them. They wouldn't expect it. Yeah, they wouldn't expect it. What are they going to send? Mounties? Fuck them. Shoot them horses. I just had a vision of uh, uh, American tanks at the border and the Mounties like, do you, hey, do you have your passports on you? Guys, I assure you, no horses were harmed during the recording of this podcast. We're well, pro-horse here, pro-horse. Horses' lives matter. <clears throat> oh, I support horses. I use Elmer's glue. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, pause while Johnny sees himself out. Uh, Alaska's 1940s civilian population of 72,524 people. Of that, 39,740 were indigenous natives. Okay. Uh, Alaska imported 90% of its food. Electricity was rare. Alaska uh, possessed no overland connections, Woo! requiring freighters to navigate the 30-foot tides, tides at Anchorage, uh, the ter territory's main port. So electricity was rare. So you're just fucking cold and hungry up in that bitch. Yep. God almighty. That's kind of where this whole, like, only the tough survive Alaska mantra comes from. That's understandable. Uh, so basically, if you looked on a map, you can see Alaska laid close to all 1941 uh, evil empires. Uh, you know, uh, Moscow, Berlin, Japan, and almost every other strategic northern capital all lay within 4,000 miles of Alaska's Fairbanks, itself situated halfway between New York and Tokyo. The shortest possible flight between the United States and Japan, the Great Circle Route, runs through Alaska. Okay. So just kind of like building up this uh, this importance that a lot of people wouldn't think Alaska could play in World War II. Um, we didn't really fully see the capabilities. You'll see they build up a, the islands and stuff, but nothing really happens there until Japan's like, oh, hey, we want that. Okay, fair enough. Um, a lot of people uh, envisioned, because again, this is turbulent times, a lot of people envisioned uh, Japan being a launch off uh, for a invasion. Okay. Like a U.S. Army pilot, Brigadier General Billy Mitchell. Um, Mitchell 
proclaimed in 1935, Alaska would be the key point of the whole Pacific, uh, telling Congress he who holds Alaska holds the world, is the most strategic place in the world, is the jumping off place to smash Japan. Okay. So he was he was uh, ready. He seen yeah, it already. This was six years before Pearl Harbor. Um, so in 1939, perceptive U.S. Navy officers imagined Japan regarded Alaska as the most dangerous of all possible directions. American attack could come from predicting Japan would occupy the Aleutians at the first opportunity, creating serious political, economic, and psychological repercussions. So why did nobody do anything? You'll see they'll build up a base, but it's, you know. Yeah. At the at the time, like when Japan wanted something, they took it. Okay. Um, so talk about fortifying Alaska, uh, increasing German and Japanese aggression shortly uh, galvanized American interest in defending the territory. 1939, Congress allocated the Army Air Corps $4 million to establish the cold weather test system at Fairbanks Ladfield. And in September, $19 million of construction, uh, $19 million worth of construction began on uh, three U.S. Navy bases rep recommended by the 1938 Hepburn Board. Okay, so they're putting shit up there now. Oh, yeah. Now. Okay. It's good to see they're finally doing something at least. Alaska's first combat unit, the 4th Infantry Regiment, began arriving in June 1940. Uh, Lieutenant General John DeWitt, commander, um, uh, established the subsidiary Alaska Defense Command on June 26th. Colonel uh, Simon Bolivar Buck, Buckner Jr. Jesus Christ um, was named commander. Okay. Mm. He was endowed with tremendous humor, fortified uh, fortitude, and intellect. That's a that's a weird way to describe me, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, the 54 year old Kentuckian Kentuckian arrived in Anchorage on July 2nd, 1940. Um, he had a large uh, task ahead, uh, just basically there's a lot on him. Um, so he had to prepare mm -hmm. Alaska. Okay. So he was like one of the forefathers of? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Buckner's top priority was constructing a Alaskan Air Force and a requisite infrastructure. Alaska's first combat aircraft a lot arrived in February 1941. 20 created P-36 Hawk fighters of the 8th, 18th Pursuit uh, Squadron by July 38 uh, P-36s and B-18 Bolo bombers had arrived. Now, are those good planes, Dan? Because I don't fucking know. Like, yeah, they saw a lot of action in World War II. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, after a July 3rd, 1941 alert, Buckner initiated offshore's uh, United States Air Force uh, Patrols, officials who deem maritime patrol a Navy mission and additionally block construction of USAAF Air Force airfields in the Aleutians. Now, I've said that acronym in a po podcast before. Doesn't it feel so awkward saying that? Yeah. yeah it's, it's like the extra A. It's like, what the fuck? <sighs> <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. I feel it. 
On November 26th, the War Department officially authorized construction of Fort Glenn Airfield at Umnox Otter Point. That's a fascinating name. Yeah. Uh, between June 30th and September 30th, 1941, Alaska Defense Command strength had grown from 7,000 uh, to 21,000. Oh, okay. They're bulking them up. Yeah. Uh, including four infantry regiments, three and one-half anti-aircraft regiments, a 150-millimeter gun, mobile coast artillery regiment, and the tank company. Sounds impressive, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know much of it, but we'll take it. It's more than I got, is what I'm right. saying. Right. <clears throat> uh, on January 1st, the United States, uh, the USAAF, dispatched 25 P-40 Warhawks and 13 B-26 to Alaska from Sacramento, California. 11 crashed en route. Oh, no, no. What well, happened? I'm going to guess, you know, uh, from what I read, Alaska Alaska's really hard to fly a plane in. Oh, wow. I did not expect that to go that way. <laughs> you mean it went straight into the ground? Yeah. <laughs> Kobe. Too, too soon, too soon. Jesus Christ, Johnny. <laughs> That's what's going to get us canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Only eight had arrived by January 25th, <laughs> confirming Buckner's assertion planes cannot be rushed to Alaska. <laughs> Gotta let Johnny reset here. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh my God. If I can have that timing for every joke I ever tell, I'd be golden. <laughs> like a shower <laughs> uh, yet within months of Pearl Harbor Alaska Defense Command boasted a constellation 14 operational military bases and 30 operable USAAF and civilian airfields supporting 25,000 troops and 5 USAAF squadrons Buckner wrote the the width. My greatest concern now is to get a squadron of P-40s on the field at Umnak. Uh, the field is there for use by ourselves or by the enemy, whichever gets there first. Mm. This guy, he smelt something in the air or something. See, this this is a thing because uh, the past couple of weeks we've been talking about the war in the Pacific. This is a reoccurring theme in terms of like why islands <laughs> were sought after and stuff like that is airfields. Because you got to remember, this is 1942, 43, 44, 45. And the planes at the time uh, couldn't reach the distances that our planes now. Plus, there is no in-flight fueling and stuff like that. So a lot of air bases were needed to conquer Japan. Okay. That makes a lot of sense how you break down. Yeah. Uh, across the Pacific, Japan's highly choreographed, brilliantly executed first operational phase had opened uh, December 7th, 1941. Uh, that's Pearl Harbor, if you didn't know. And yeah, triumphantly concluded March 1942, having devastated Allied Pacific power and accomplishing all pre-war aims of establishing Japanese economic self-sufficiency. So like Japan, just like Germany, uh, they had this like Blitzkrieg style attack. They took away Philippines just bam just bam, going, bam, going, bam. going yeah going. they were just ruthless right like that. you know I guess when human life doesn't matter you can do a lot of shit quickly right I mean they're fast moving 
uh, kind of like we talked about with the North Koreans during the Korean War episode. Uh, just, uh, you know, when you're on a tear, you're on a tear. You throw enough fucking bodies at a problem, it solves itself, I guess. Yeah. So uh, we're, you know, we're seeing this theme of like, you know, Alaska's important, but it's not really important enough. Okay. So it's like, yeah, we'll protect it, but we're not going to give it what it needs. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And that was uh, because like uh, egos of the Pentagon. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Just also, you know, uh, big war. We had to get troops in Africa and, you know, start fighting in the Pacific, you know, they're all over the place. I mean, without Facebook or, you know, satellite yeah. phones and stuff like that, I'm sure it was really rough to relay information. Propaganda helped a lot with that shit. Mm-hmm. Propaganda was definitely a tool that was utilized a lot in World War II. So the Im- Imperial General's Headquarters Aleutian Campaign uh, intended to preempt a potential U.S. offensive against uh, Japan's North Pacific Empire, defending the homelands where the general... Uh, Defense Command's four divisions and 11 mixed brigades, along with the IJAAS 1st Air Army of 90 aircraft. Based at the Kuril Islands were 18 Imperial Japanese Army Air Force fighters and 36 A6M2 Zero fighters. I'll be honest, I don't know what any of these letters or acronyms are. Zeros. Our airplanes, it's mostly what Japan used. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are those like single engines? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Made by Mitsubishi, if I'm not mistaken. One propeller in the front? Yep. I know uh, BMW did a lot of engines for the Germans. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, the main strike fleet was uh, comprising of light carriers and heavy carriers, it's just the size and how much they carry. Oh, okay. And uh, six months um, attrition had frayed the uh, Imperial Japan's Navy once pristine uh, carrier aviation corps. Instead of the normal 102 aircraft, um, the Aleutian Air Group's total just 63 planes. So they had uh, seen some shit. Okay, they were going through it already. Mm-hmm. It lost some people, and yeah, about half of their aircraft. Was okay, gone. okay. Yeah, they they originally had a hundred and two, and only had sixty three. Okay, so they lost a significant amount. Yep, uh, torpedo bombers, dive bombers, stuff like that. Just um, the ADAC at two occupation force, also known as the Army North Seas Detachment, comprised of twelve hundred troops. On October 24th, 1942, this formation was reinforced to three infantry battalions, roughly 3,300 troops, and redesignated the 2nd District North Seas Garrison, uh, a detachment of 550 uh, Imperial Japan, uh, Japanese Navy combat troops and 700 labor troops. Uh, Japanese intentions were to transform Kishka and Atu into effective air-sea outposts. IGN uh, destroyers, seaplane uh, torpedoes, fleet submarines, and midget uh, submarines were semi-permanently based at the island after capture. 
crucially, no Japanese Aleutian airfields became operational. Oh, so they couldn't get them up and running. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good. Fuck them. They, uh, the assigned Aleutian garrisons lacked the engineering skills and proper heavy equipment vital for converting the rugged island into bases for offensive air power projection. I don't know how to do it because these are men so much smarter than me, but I really want to shit on these Japanese right now. Like, and I want to be clear, we've talked heavy about World War II and the Japanese, and it's got me being a little biased, but I want to make it clear for our Japanese listeners, I know there's so many of you guys, that I only don't like Japanese people uh, during the early 40s. (laughs) My opinion of you changes immediately after that, but back to the program, fuck those idiots. Yeah, why, I mean, why not think to bring a bulldozer? (laughs) why not oh boy this is gonna sound real i want to recount why not go back to your own fucking country (laughs) uh because they were on a tear we already talked about this johnny you don't go home when you're winning i get i get happy when our enemies are unsuccessful but maybe that's me that's why i'm unique (laughs) (laughs) um it also should be noted that uh, the compromised Allied forces were U.S. and Canadian. Okay. That's what's up. Shout out to Canada. Uh, Alaska wartime effort largely entailed uh, conjuring uh, civilization from uh, virgin wilderness, both to evict the Japanese and also to establish a North Pacific military route to Siberia. Untamed Alaska demanded high proportions of service troops proportions. Uh, Alaska military infrastructure was built and maintained by combat qualified U.S. Army engineers and U.S. Navy Seabees, which is like the, the uh, construction workers for okay. the Navy. Okay. I was wondering what that is. I know that's oversimplified, I simplified, uh, but that's basically, they build bases. They're going to they jump down your neck for that, Oh, Dan? God, I hope not. <laughs> That's all I need is the Navy after me. He's explaining it to a civilian, guys. Cut him a break. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, at least somebody would actually email us, right? Yeah, that'd be dope. Get outraged, you pussies. <laughs> you, all you Navy pussies. I love and respect you all. Email us, you Navy pussies. We, I, we have the utmost respect for you here. Oh, um, So, again, we're running into this. Alaska is a hard place to build a base, to fight a war. Yeah, morons. <laughs> Alaska military infrastructure. You know, uh, again, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Dan, but there's always this stereotype about Asian people being so goddamn smart. Well, it looks like not, not in this case, motherfuckers. Uh, by June 1st, 1942. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Alaska hosted 45,000 U.S. Army personnel. Anchorage's Fort Richardson was the primary Army base. Alaska's defenses were anchored by a network of airfields, many constructed with the cooperation of the Civil Aeronautics Authority. Who, Nailed that. Who is that? No fucking clue. Oh, you did nail it, though. I give you that. Can't take that away I'm from I'm going to guess from the name, uh, they're, you know, airplane people. <laughs> I was just hoping it wasn't like some band of locals. <laughs> hey there, son. You got that all fucked up? Yeah. Government ain't done shit for me, boy. 
I don't know why uh, Inuits have uh, a southern accent to me now. You're not using a moose for that? What the fuck? You got real pretty lips, boy. <laughs> hey, Johnny. Save that till after the, the recording's done. <laughs> they're, they're from, they're, they're the Inuits from West Virginia. Hmm. So, uh, not only was there Fort Richardson, there was the uh, the Metlaka Laklas in that Island Army Airfield and Yak Yakutats Army Airfield at Cold Bay on the Alaska Peninsula, where 2,500 troops of Fort Randall Army Airfield, 70 miles west of Dutch Harbor at Umnax Island Otter Port, was the newly uh, Otter Point was the newly established and truly primitive Fort Glenn Army Air Base holding 4,000 troops. Additional Army posts included small garrisons at Nome, Seward, Skagways, Chil Chilkoot Barracks, a 19th century Klondike Gold Rush relic. 20 aircraft detector stations were plant planted throughout Alaska, but by June 1942, the uh, the territory possessed only two land-based radar sets at Anchorage and at Kodiak. Hmm. Yeah, so kind of setting up. Um, <clears throat> so I think this is a, is a good point to stop. Uh, part one, Johnny, what do you think? I think we're good to I go. Just I just kind of give you the detail overview of what's in Alaska. I realize it's probably really boring, but the next part, or maybe two parts, I'm not sure yet, uh, we'll get into the battle and we'll get into some fighting. Yeah, I, like I said, uh, it's always important to lay the groundwork to get a decent understanding of what's going on. And if we don't get canceled for this episode, I guess we'll see you for part two. Yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, again, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at What in the History Pod. Um, Johnna, Johnny, Johnna, Johnna. Can be found on Facebook at Stand Up Comedy Johnny Smith style or Panda Smith three two seven on Instagram eight two seven eight two seven. Sorry, I thought I was on a roll, but apparently I'm not. <laughs> I, I, my Facebook is actually facebookcom slash John. Fuck you! I like the name of your page. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, follow me at DB Comedy eight one four. As always, thanks for listening, guys. Peace and love. It was a moonless night, I was 18 years old, life was going nowhere, it was midnight at the railroad tracks, miles away from anywhere, I said my
travel the world Be powerful But a slave until my grave Now it's raining In the desert I said, always gotta rain on me I'm just another of the devil's dogs Would they ever of an evil choir Sand shifted I fell into the pit and marched with the other damned until I was one of them but forever deal with Satan We all face judgment and we Devil's down.